Hello, everyone, and welcome to Classroom Chatter. I am your host, Zach Casto, and this is our first podcast for 2021. And there is not a better guest uh, than I could have that has helped me uh, immensely <laughs> in my first year of teaching uh, than Mrs. Lori Nash. And I can't wait to have her on the show. Lori, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for asking me. It's going to be a blast. I, you know, I, I value our friendship immensely. You helped me both professionally and personally throughout this first year. And I'm so excited to have you on. I've, I've uh, bragged about you several times on the show and for good reason. You're, uh, to me, what epitomizes a, a great teacher. Well, thank you very much. And I am so glad that you came to Hurricane High School. I just feel like it was meant to be. Yeah, I'm lucky to have you and in, in, in our special education group. I, and they're, they're fantastic teachers and I appreciate them so much. And so I'm so glad to have you on. It's going to be fun. I think you're going to give us a lot of great advice on how to improve uh, not only being teachers in general, but also also special educators. So it'll be a blast. So I always start a few questions off every guest each week with a few getting to know you questions. Uh, some of these questions are silly. Some of these questions are just kind of fun. And so my first question is, what was your favorite subject in school and why? Well, I had a lot of classes that I liked a lot, but probably my favorite was um, Glee Club choir class. The teacher was full of personality. We had fun, but her expectations were set very high and they were very clear. And she just knew how to get the best out of her students. That's awesome. I think that's a reoccurring theme with a lot of great teachers. And so I'm interested to hear what you think uh, more so on what great teachers are and, and to understand that. So my favorite question to ask each week is this one. And I'm so excited to ask this one because you kind of get a lot of perspective and understanding on on kind of human, who the person is, kind of a cultural background. I think back to Dr. Alicia Lewis and, and hers with talking about Louisiana and, and her favorite uh, Cajun dish. Um, so what was your favorite lunch day item and why? Well, I remember packing my lunch going through school. I ate in the cafeteria occasionally, but I had really cool lunch boxes. Like my favorite was the Partridge family. <laughs> And my mom always helped me pack a nutritious lunch. Um, but as an adult, I eat in the cafeteria more because it's convenient and our cooks are great. So I would have to say my favorite meal in the cafeteria is when we have Thanksgiving dinner. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. I'm uh, sleepy in the afternoon, but I'm well <laughs> fed. Our, our cooks are fabulous. Yeah, they are. That's one thing I will say. They are fantastic. And, you know, it's, it's taken everyone really to come together and, and to make this school year work. But I tell you what, they have, um, I think they've handled a ton of adversity and they've handled it really well. So I'm super proud of them. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure the, the public is aware of what everyone in our schools are doing to help our students through this pandemic and our cooks and service personnel our bus drivers are an integral part, and we, we couldn't make it through this without everybody on, being on the same team and rowing the boat the same direction. 
totally agree. It's uh, it's a community effort, and it's uh, been awesome. It's been really great to see. And I know there's a lot of negatives being said out there, but but you know, I always try to focus on the positive. And there's been such a great, in my opinion, is best we've we've been able to give students opportunities to have the best education possible given the circumstances we we have. So um, I'm really proud of us all. Really. It's been, I am too. It's a good feeling to know that you're helping. Man, it sure is. It's, it helps you go to bed at night, I tell you that. Yes. <laughs> so this is, this is another question I really enjoy asking. Who is your favorite teacher in your when, when you're a student? Who is your favorite teacher in your career as a student and why? Well, I um, graduated from Cabell County Schools in West Virginia, so I'm a local product of what great things public education can do for people. I got a good solid start. Um, my favorite teacher was a high school English teacher. And once again, I really liked her because she was so positive, clear expectations. And every time we were in the classroom with this teacher, she was excited. She was excited to be there. And that made me excited to be there. And she, she, taught me two different things that have served me well as I have gone through my academic career. She taught me to appreciate knowledge of current events. I became a newspaper reader and a news watcher, and I learned how to analyze and construct thoughts about what I felt when I saw these things in print or on TV. And one of the most important things she gave me was a love for literature all the different genres, um, lots of questions and response that made me think. And I am a big fan of literature classics to this very day because of her. She made it interesting. That's awesome. I mean, I, the, it really wasn't until, well, I, I don't want to discredit any of my teachers from, from K through 12, but it really wasn't until college that I really started to have classes and have really in-depth discussion on seeing both sides of arguments and, and analyzing text and and it's awesome that that your that your teacher did that because i feel like it's a missed a missed concept by many i think it's a missed concept in a way in our country and you know there's always a trap there with you know if you if you read one certain side or or watch one certain side of news you don't necessarily get the the real picture. I think I said it last week with Dr. Thompson. I gave credit to Mrs. Pritchard's husband, uh, Steve Pritchard, uh, because his his quote when we were at Nitro was, "Things aren't always as good as it seems, or as bad as it seems. It's somewhere in the middle where the truth lies." That's truly what you know. Analyzing text and analyzing information is, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something that really needs to to be taught. Grand if it's in the content area, right? But uh, or if it comes up in class. But uh, given the right opportunity to teach that, I think that's super important. So my next question is: Did you always want to go and in, go into education and be a teacher? If not, what did you want to be? I always wanted to be a teacher. I never wavered from that. When I was young, I would get my stuffed animals and line them up like they were my students. 
and I would teach them things. And for Christmas one year, I got um, a small chalkboard and my father mounted it on the wall in my bedroom, had chalk and erasers, and I'd line up those stuffed animals and we'd just have class all the time. I, I never wavered from wanting to be a teacher. There was never a second choice for me. That's awesome. I, I too had a chalkboard and I did that as well. I loved it. I, I, <laughs> I, there was nothing I, you know, re realistically teaching is what I always wanted to be. And so now I get to do that, that in two different environments. That's awesome. I, that's so cool that you did that. I, I love I'm glad that. you had a chalkboard too. I thought I was a, a strange child, but you had <laughs> one. That's great. I love it. Hey, Especially it, it's for male to want to aspire to be a great teacher. You know, we need positive, successful role models in the classroom for our young men and for our young women. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, you know, this world and especially this time, time frame of a pandemic um, has really uh, beaten down a lot of people. But, you know, there's a lot of good stories that come out of it. And, and certainly, like you said, education is a, a fantastic vehicle to help people kind of, um, you know, get out of a bad situation and, and to be able to reach their potential. And that's that's really awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned that earlier on because that's that's really stuck. That's really uh, stood out to me and kind of staying in the back of my mind. So I really like that. Great. Uh, I always tell my kids that education is the great equalizer. Yeah, it sure it, is. Yeah, it's, and an education is something nobody can ever take away from you. No. No, and people certainly can try to discredit it, but again, it's, you know, it, there's a lot of hard work that a student has, has done to be able to get that education, and that's certainly uh, super, super important, and, and you can't discredit it. <laughs> it. It is the golden ticket, like you said, it is the golden ticket. Yes. Uh, so speaking of pandemic, um, what has been, what has been a, a few ways that you've handled the stress of it? Well, I'm very blessed to have a great support group of friends and family members. And early on in the school year, you saw how stressed I was over the new use of technology. I mean, I was I was flipping out. I just didn't think I could do it. But you hung in there like any great teacher would and helped me over the, the difficult spots and got me to the point where I can post a lesson and respond and all those things we need to do on my own and, and I want you to know that. Also, you know, you hear social media criticized, but I use it in a positive way. You know, we can't go visit our friends, we can't hang out with our family members, but through the use of social media platforms, I feel like I'm keeping in touch with the daily lives of people that I love and care about and I read daily devotions. Um, that's I try to do that the first thing in the morning before I do anything else because it always gives me a positive thought for the day and where I want my day to go. It just kind of starts me out right. That's important. Uh, that's one thing, uh, you know, after I lost my mom, I really decided to, uh, well, it's two things. The, I think I told you or told others, but right after I lost my mom, I had to find something that, a, that I felt oddly enough that she'd be proud of, and B, something that I was interested in. So I, would, I got all these teaching webinars and coaching webinars, and it was really my way to, I guess, get away from things. Um, but luckily, 
uh, I met the Alabama Baseball Coach Association president, and he kind of helped me kind of get back in things in regards to reading the Bible and such like that. And like you said with devotions, it's, man, it's <laughs> it's so uh, so important and so motivating as well. And um, so I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't express how thankful I am for that connection and also connection with you because I've, I've told so many, I think I told last week on the podcast how proud I was of you uh, for handling this, this big transition over to school because it's not it's it's not easy i still struggle with it a little bit and, and so it got to the point where was it a couple of weeks ago where you made an iep meeting based off of teams so um you're rocking and rolling you're you're um, you're crushing the game <laughs> oh my goodness thank you i still have a lot to learn um and i've learned to ask for help with these things because I, I cannot you know school is a community and we're only as strong as when we work together like we talked earlier about everybody no matter what their job is in the school if we don't all work together it's it's just not going to be a good situation for our students or for us um so i liked working with you to handle this technology it wound up being fun actually it has been it has been i think um you know that's that's the one thing that in regards to veteran teachers and uh, that, and that's the one that's one thing the reasons why I said you know to have a friend like you to also have a mentor like you is super important because um, you know I, I've been around teachers lounges where it's uh, a, a pool of negativity uh, whereas with you it's polar opposite it's a pool a pool of positivity with you and that's what I you know, it's another thing that I always look forward to seeing you every day or talk to you every day because of that I learned something new and I also gain um, a good feeling when I'm there. And that's, I think that's something that is super important in schools. So, um, you know, I, I wish there were more people like you in that regard <laughs> in the education well, realm. You will find more of them in our building when we are actually able to socialize with one another again. Um, we're a very friendly, open staff, and we, we say we, we're HHS family, and that's so true. You know my personal struggles this year, and um, unfortunately, we have that one thing in common, a great loss, but a great loss is never, you're never going to feel better if you get weighted down with all the negative, and so some days I have to force myself to put on the happy face, but um I always tell my kids, nobody likes a gloomy Gus. I like that. I'm going to have to take the gloomy Gus. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. I'll give you credit once, but after that, right. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Use it as much as you want. <laughs> so I always, uh, I always like the why question. And when I mean why, I mean the purpose behind uh, your job, or if you want to call it a job, I don't, I don't call teaching a job because it, the word job it always gets a negative connotation to it. I feel like um, I think I refer to education more so more so as a pa passion because that's what it is. Um, but anyways, uh, what is your what is the reason why you teach? What's your why? What drives you with it? I think for many of us in education at every level, from the little teeny ones all the way up through postgraduate work. It's a calling. You know, we want to be in one of the helping professions because we care about people. You know, I like teaching 
because it's not the same from day to day. We have to think on our feet. We have to make split second decisions and it keeps your mind fresh and it keeps you moving and it keeps you learning. But and I know this sounds um, maybe a little bit silly, but at the end of the day, I teach because I love my students and I want to see them succeed. I like going home at the end of the day and going, processing the events of the school day. And I like to think, how did I make a positive impact in the life of a young person? And if I can just come up with one instance in my day where I felt like I really made a difference, it, there's bad days in teaching and we're lying if we don't say there's bad days in teaching. But when you ask yourself, what did I do that left a positive impact? If you can find one at the end of a day, at the end of a day, then you're doing great. But I ask myself that every day. That's a great question to ask. And uh, kind of goes back to um, a baseball clinic I was on Sunday. And one of my favorite coaches and teachers that I've been lucky enough to, to meet is uh, Butch Chafin from Cooksville, Tennessee. And, his whole uh, mission now is he wants to be able to leave fingerprints on people in a positive way. And that's essentially what you said you were doing. Um, you're leaving, you know, your, your fingerprints on others in a positive way. And that's, that's really our mission as educators too. And so that's super, super important. I'm glad you brought that up um, because, because at times I don't think educators get enough credit and not that we're seeking credit, but, um, I don't think we get enough credit for helping others. And uh, certainly I know without educators, I wouldn't be who I am. So super thankful for that. Um, so you are a special educator and you've and you've been in special education for quite a bit, haven't you? Yes, um, I started my career in 1988 in special ed and I've never left. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> and and I think, you know, I'm sure Miss Polk will listen to this, but um, you know, she and we've talked about you, you know, bragged on you about, you know, just talking with us. And, um, you know, it, it takes a special someone to stay in special education. And that's a good thing um, because special education is, as I've, as I've found out, a very fantastic, um, a fantastic realm of teaching. And I appreciate it. Um, but man, you've been, it's awesome that you've been in special education that long. What made you decide you wanted to go into special education? Well, growing up, I had a peer that um, was Down syndrome. There was just a year or two between us and our families were good friends. And the mother related a story to me one day. She said, when my daughter was born, the doctor encouraged us to put her in an institution. Because of the low IQ, they felt that she would never walk, talk, or be productive in any manner. But those parents didn't want to hear that. That's not the way they operated. Um, she went through public school, and she learned how to read. Her social skills, she functioned off the charts. I mean, it was just phenomenal. She, upon graduation from high school, she got a part-time job in a local restaurant and worked there until... Um, the family moved, but it's just such an inspirational 
story and it, it gives me chill bumps and I almost want to cry when I think about this special young lady. She took dance lessons. She was involved in her church. Anything that she wanted to achieve, both of her parents were right there beside of her, leading her and finding the resources they needed as parents to see that she had a happy and productive life. And they they achieved over 100%. They were just fantastic. But she was raised to believe that she could achieve. They never said you can't do that because of your disability. We never referred to her as having a disability because she was able, not disabled. And so from my experience with this young lady, I never wanted another parent to think that their child was incapable because of what educators or people in the medical field might tell them. I never wanted them to feel the sadness that their child wasn't going to lead um, a happy life. So in becoming a special ed teacher inspired by this young lady and her family, I wanted to become a link to parents who had children with special needs to see what we could do together to make them reach their full potential and beyond. That's powerful. <laughs> that is powerful. And, and there's so much, there's a lot of beauty in what you said. And, and I don't think the general population quite gets it. And in regards to, even though these students have disabilities, it doesn't, it doesn't hold them back necessarily because there, there is always capability in there. We just have to find it and, and to help them have the best life that they that they can the life they want and um that's that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome i love that absolutely love it um so what are some of your favorite teaching techniques that have helped you as a special educator and what advice would you give special ed educators in that regard okay well um i'm not quite sure the exact date but i was teaching at a middle school when this occurred and the principal was asking for volunteers to do collaborative or inclusion teaching. It was new. We had never done it before. And a general ed math teacher spoke up and said, I think that we can do this. I said, I'm in. We had no training. <laughs> we just did what came from our gut and from our instincts and what we felt was going to be the right way to deliver instruction to these students in a new model. And I think that when you collaborate with our general ed teachers they have a lot of really great ideas that we can modify to meet the needs of our students whether that's in an inclusion class or a standalone resource classroom um, the neat thing about being a special ed educator is that we get to modify and adapt all this stuff so it's successful and it's fun to see our kids engaging with their peers and 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 they feel every bit as smart and capable as a non IEP student. Um, I think that to really help a kid learn, they've got to know that we care. We must meet meet them where they are. And that would be my advice to especially young special ed teachers. You know, the kids in our population come in with varying skill sets. They're not all at the same place. And we've just got to make sure that we understand where they're functioning. Um, 
And I think if I was going to give a special ed teacher advice, you know, we all know the content. We are great at delivering facts and information, but it goes beyond that. You used to hear talk of teaching the whole child and with the implementation of high stakes testing, I think we've lost some of that and it's sad, but it's important to reach the whole child, not just the academic component. We've got to know them and it's a fine line between telling and sharing too much and them sharing too much with us. But because we teach in a small group atmosphere, we have the perfect opportunity to really get to know our kids, their background, and a lot of times that will help us in our approach and open up avenues to learning that we may not have thought about before. And in special education, we just have to stay flexible. Every day is not going to be the same. Um, they'll understand a concept one day and then you teach it the next day to review and, it, and it's like you're looking at them with three heads. Um, so just be flexible and, and stay positive with these young people. Yeah, that is certainly the truth. And uh, I feel like patience is another trait that I think mm -hmm. is, is super important in special education. But, you know, one thing I will say, and this is a former guest, uh, Patrice Bain, and it's truth, uh, truthful from what I've experienced using retrieval skills. Um, the more we use like retrieval activities to where they can recall what we did the day before or a week ago, and making that a, 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 a making that a habit um, has really worked with at least students in my class. Once they, you know, it may take them a couple tries, and that's okay. But once they, um, once they kind of worked with a type of concept long enough, uh, they, they seem to start remembering and do pretty well. So uh, excellent advice, that is so excellent. Um, kind of off topic here in a way, uh, just from what you said, what are some ways that you've um, created relate, quality relationships with your students? Well, in any relationship, you have to listen active listening with my students. You know how it is in the morning first class of the day. They all want to tell you something new and you have to give them all a chance to tell you that, especially when we've been off on these long breaks. There's been lots of life events with our kids and I know when they they first came back in September, it was so much fun hearing about their summers and their pets. We spent one whole day in my class just learning things about each other. Um, I always ask about pets because you know I'm a big animal fan. And once you start talking about someone's pet, they're hooked. They love you because they're, you're interested in what's most important to them. So listening and just not uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, but active listening. Tell me more about how you got your dog. How many animals do you have? And they just eat it up. So important. And those are those are the fun conversations. Yes, they like. are. Those are those are the most fun conversations. And um, I miss having those conversations right now. But the good news is, uh, usually every day I, in class, I, I try to talk with at least for a couple minutes. 
about what's going on in their lives if they want to and how they're doing. And I think that matters so much to them, even if they don't say a lot about it. I think it matters so much to them and it just builds accountability and trust on our part. Yes, and it's hard to be a teacher without an actual classroom full of students. I think I I saw a professor in college, I think it went viral on the news, but he was, he didn't like how there was nobody in in the classroom, so he brought a stuffed animal, and he was teaching (laughs) a stuffed animal. Oh, right, he learned (laughs) that from me. (laughs) Exactly, that's right, that's right. That's spot on, that's spot on. Kind of on the same avenue of that, um, how did you, how are you capable of learning how each student learned best? What are some ways that you've, uh, you learned how your students learn best? Nothing um, compares to looking at their special ed documentation and the psychological and knowing exactly or as close to exact as we can ever come with these diagnostic tests on where they're functioning. Um, I have them write just a short paragraph, even though I teach math, writing is across the curriculum because I need to know what their writing skills are. And you can learn a lot about them through looking at just a handwriting sample. Um, You know, if they have trouble forming letters and numbers, there's easier ways to get their answers. You might ask that child to answer orally as often as you can to get a clear assessment because sometimes with our kids, um, things are lost in translation. They know the answer, but getting it from their mind to the paper is very, very difficult. Can we always assess orally? No, it's not always appropriate, but it gives them a a great chance to feel successful. Um, And that's just one instance. But yeah, always read their paperwork. Um, There's a lot that can be found besides um, test scores and stuff if if we go back and look super important <laughs> super important and, uh, and that's um and i think we can even use those in- instances in the general ed population um and i mean i <laughs> i don't know this for a fact but i think in the future there's a possibility that every student will have some form of iep or something like that to where um, they're all teaching in an individual way and that's perfectly fine because as as we found out as teachers it's essentially what we're doing we're juggling a lot of um, a lot of ways to teach different students. Uh, we may just have to put them in different groupings, you know, auditory and kinesthetic and whatnot, but at the same time, we're giving them those options, and that's super important. And I think that's why I like edu- special education so much is because it's um, it has that variety, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, we're giving some latitude with our um, IEP kids. And we have a chance to be so creative and to think out of the box. Um, All the special ed teachers I know will go to any length to get a concept across to their kids. That's kind of the fun in it because you'll create memories that way because of kind of the wacky ways you have to teach them. But, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, So in regards to the classroom, um, what are some of your favorite classroom management techniques? Because I think I think we all can kind of get better at that. Um, you know, once again, being in a small group situation has benefits, but it also can have 
detractors because in a small group like that, sometimes long toward the middle of the semester, they start feeling really comfortable with us and comfortable with their classmates. So for me, I like to start out first day of school by communicating my expectations. I keep my list short. I state them in positive terms. You know, don't do this. I, I say, this is how we do it. You know, because their attitude is going to reflect my attitude. And if if I'm all about the rule and, you know, put, pound my fist, they're not going to listen to me. Um, and with any teacher, your classroom discipline and management has to be consistent. With our kids, sometimes we have to vary that consistency because our kids have a lot of different things going on. And you just, it goes back to knowing your kids and knowing what's going to work. Um, another thing I like to do is call home. When those children know you're calling home, they know you're backing up what you said and they have, they have to trust us to do what we say. And you can get a lot of information from parents that you cannot get from the students and it's helpful information because they live with these kids day in and day out. And it also, I had a professor in college that said it was the milk stool theory of teaching. You know, a, a milking stool has three legs. If you cut off one of the legs, it's going to topple over. But if you have three sturdy legs, you can milk as long as you want. And the three legs on the milking stool, as it relates to education, are parent, teacher, and student. If we shorten any of those legs or do away with them completely, we're not going to have a balanced act. And we're going to lose some opportunities to do the best for our kids and, and meet their needs. And I think that's a perfect um, phrase to use in regards to the environment we're in now. I mean, now more than ever, um, parents are important with our with with the educational process because we are virtual. Just the just what we're in, and and so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of programs, a lot of possibilities to to get parents engaged. Um, last week with Dr. Thompson, we talked is about her program, Parents as Tutors, and how to get parents engaged in, in, in to understand what their students are being taught, but the teachers are helping the, the parents learn along with the students. So but the beauty behind all that is that you get the you, you create relationships, close relationships with families based on education. It's not necessarily education that or the concept that's important. It's because now the, the child and the parents are creating quality memories. They're not getting frustrated because they're getting that support from education and like you said it's three prong three pronged effort there and and it all comes down to communication and i love that, yeah. <laughs> I, love that. I also like to use humor when it's appropriate <laughs> in a classroom <laughs> behavior situation you know we keep talking about positive and negative and these kids come from some pretty negative backgrounds um just for them to get on the bus and come to school some days is an accomplishment. And I think when we can lighten their emotional load that we've done a good thing. And, and the beauty of high school kids is you can reason with them. You know, this is why what you just did doesn't follow the guidelines. 
and help me think of some things to help you get you back on track. And I think an underutilized form of uh, classroom behavior is our coaches. <laughs> if you, I'm telling you, I've had to go to coaches before because the student athlete was um, not performing well academically or they were acting up in class. And when you go to the coach and they've every coach I've ever taught with and I've had their athletes in my class have always been more than willing to help out because our sports and extracurriculars important. Absolutely. But how we interact with others is more important than that. And they have always followed up with the student I have referred to them and. I'll go as far in 99% of the cases where I have had to ask for assistance from a coach. There has been an immediate and sustained improvement with the kid. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that's awesome. And again, it goes down to um, goes down to the interests of the student, right? I mean, yeah, there's instances where one of our students may not like our cons might, might not like our the, the, the concept or teaching or the or the content or teaching but again there's always something that they like and that's that's an, a very important um, another avenue to to manage bad behaviors in the classroom or worrisome behaviors that's very very important and again i think all this comes down to comes back to communication and that's i think that's the number one thing in in, in any um in any quality program or school it comes down to the quality communication. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so there's a it's kind of a new question I had. I started adding it last week, but I think this would be great um, advice uh, in regards to both young teachers and veteran teachers. So um, what would be your advice uh, to a young teacher that just got into education? Remember why you chose teaching as a career. When you're frustrated because technology isn't working, you're frustrated because the kids did poorly on a test and you felt that you nailed teaching the concept, remember why you're there. It's not about us. It's about our students and their success and their emotional well-being. Um, I would also say to keep learning, go back and get that master's degree. Go back and get that master's plus 45. You're only going to better yourself. It will open up vast opportunities for you in the education world. Maybe you don't want to stay in the classroom. You're a great teacher, but you need to do something else. If you have those advanced degrees, you're going to be marketable and you always want to give yourself options. You know, like we've talked about bad days, good days in teaching. There are some horrible, terrible, awful days. But I would tell a young teacher not to focus on that. Evaluate what took place during the day, learn from it and move on and use the skills that you found to adapt to a negative situation to avoid it in the future. And to apply those skills to new things that that come up. Um, I would also you know, we tell you stories all the time about goofy things our kids do confidentially. Of course, we don't use names. Um, I wish I would have started in 1988 keeping a journal 
of the experiences I have had in teaching. My kids are so entertaining. They've just got the best stories and just goofy things that they do. It's just it's just a pleasure. And I, I wish I could go back and read all of them, but I wasn't smart enough to write them all down. Um, as a young teacher, you should also ask veteran teachers for help. You know, young teachers are great at all the new technology. I mean, like, you know, you're my go to person for this stuff. But I know the practical side of education that they that you don't necessarily get when you're going through your teacher prep courses, uh, things that they never told you to expect about just the daily running of the school. Who do you call if you have a question about this? Who do you contact if you have a question about this? And veteran teachers can take a lot of stress off of our younger teachers just by being there, by being available and knowing that they're not in this alone. That is uh, that's super important. <laughs> I'll tell you that because there's a, there are instances where there's things like, man, I, how do you teach in a pandemic? You know, <laughs> and, you know how do you do that? And, and of course, I think I think Dr. Lewis every time I see her and anytime she's on the show, uh, because uh, all the technology um, lessons she taught us and all those skills really paid off. Um, you know, little did she know that. <laughs> we'd be teaching in a pandemic but you know it's those are just little things and but man it's you're right <laughs> you're right and that's why i'm so thankful to have you and, and really the special ed department here uh, because it's they've <laughs> they've been super helpful and the conversations have been fun i mean i i love hearing their their stories and and so it's <laughs> it's been awesome um, so on the other on the flip side here uh, I know we talked about young teachers. What would be advice to a veteran teacher that you would give? Um, you're never too experienced to ask for help. Never, never think that there's not going to be a new situation that comes up that, that you can handle without some support or advice. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about. We can't know everything. You know, like I said before, education changes every single day. Sometimes we're prepared and sometimes we need a helping hand. Um, I would say to veteran teachers, we keep coming back to technology, but that's a big thing right now. You know, it's a huge thing. And some of us um, <clears throat> more mature teachers, this is just this is just a hard reach and a stretch for us because it's so far out of our comfort zone. Um, so I would say ask ask the new kids on the block what their advice would be or how do I how do I accomplish this skill to get get the information across to my students. Um, and veteran teachers should always, always be available to help our younger teachers because, you know, the rate of graduation from teacher preparatory programs is dwindling. Uh, every year, fewer and fewer young people want to enter our profession. A lot of that comes from um, negative things that they hear. Of course, some of it is purely financial. Um, so we need to attract young teachers and we need to retain our younger teachers that are teaching in our systems because one day, 
the people my age, we're all going to be gone. Who's going to teach our kids? And I worry about that. I don't want young teachers to just say, oh, this is an easier degree than mechanical engineering or whatever. I want them to have a heart for teaching, not because they get the summers off. I want them to know the joy of seeing a child succeed or when you go to the grocery store and somebody says, hey, Miss Nash, how are you? I haven't seen you for a long time. That's what makes it real. And um, I just think sometimes that veteran teachers get bogged down in a lot of things and we need to go back to the heart of why we teach. Put the bad days behind us, learn from them and move forward. That's powerful advice. Uh, that, that can work in any profession um, because if you don't learn from you know the bad days or the mistakes or or failures, um, then you're really not going to not going to grow. Uh, currently reading Augie Garrido, who's a legendary baseball coach. Um, coach, <laughs> well, he's most notably known for for Cal State Fullerton in, in Texas, but. Um, he had a saying that it's always stood out with me, and it's you either you either win or you learn, and um, and that's something that's kind of stood out for me. You know, kind of making failure sound like well, all it is is a learning opportunity. And I think that's something that I think we both have always tried to tell our students that you know, just because you made a mistake, it's not the end all be all. It's just something that another learning opportunity, and um, you know that that's very important to write that up. Um, here's a question that, um, that I ask every week. That it's probably my favorite question that I ask. And, and in your opinion, what do you think separates a good teacher from a great teacher and why? A good teacher from a great teacher. Hmm. Well, there's lots of really good teachers out there. They're organized, they're experts in their content, and they can deliver a good lesson. The kids are learning. From my experience as a learner, what makes a great teacher to me is their ability to make me want to grow and achieve. I look forward to going to their class because I know it's going to be positive. I know I'm going to learn new things. I'm not afraid to ask a question. I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not going to be ridiculed because I get the answer or the problem wrong. Um, a great teacher is someone who sets up a learning environment, whether it's in the gym, out on the field, in a classroom, that is warm and encouraging. Um, you know, teaching since I started has changed so much. And one way it has changed is the living conditions that we find our students in. And a great teacher realizes that this is a problem and they do everything they can to make that student's day at school safe and welcoming. They want to come back the next day because we're good to them. Do we let them get away with things just because they have a hard time? Absolutely not. But when you're talking about traumatized children, there's a way to handle them and there's a way to not handle them so that we don't create more more damage to their psyche. Um, they need to see us not only as an expert in content, but as a person. 
they need to see that we're intuitive and we're in touch with that kid and what's going on. That's again, that's that's awesome. That's great advice. Um, yeah, it's um, like you said, where, where students come from now, it, it could be off. And again, we could be the reason why they why they want to come to, to school every day. And that, that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up and and just meeting them where they're at. I mean, this is <laughs> this has been awesome. This has been a fantastic episode. I'm, and I'm I'm fired up for this conversation. Um, that's awesome. But uh, what are some of your favorite lessons or if you had to choose a lesson that was your favorite? Why? Why did you? Why is it your favorite? Hmm. OK, so in algebra, I like teaching function tables because the kids have to combine all the skills that they have on solving equations, all of those things. And it's like putting together a puzzle when you fill in that function table and then you can graph it. It's so much fun to see their excitement when they do it right and they're graphing because when you can solve problems in a function table and then transfer that to a graph, you got it going on. And in geometry, I have a great hands-on activity. You don't have to have uh, a pencil. There's no writing. You just have to actively listen and uh, follow instructions. And we fold up a circle and learn all the different parts of it. And then they can use that on their quiz on parts of a circle. I love that. <laughs> I love activities to where they can do fun things and also benefits them in the long haul. And those are the, one, those are the lessons that really, I think, uh, stick with the students. And that's, that's awesome. I like that. I like that. Um, what has been your favorite memory as a teacher and why? Oh, this is an easy one. Graduation day. Um, when you teach high school, especially with our population, we see these kids come in as ninth graders. They're shy. They're in a whole new world. They've been given a lot more freedom. And a lot of ours, Zach, just because of what we do, they struggle academically. And then when you're watching graduation, there's always this one kid that makes me tear up and I get chills every year because it's the kid I was afraid wasn't going to make it. And then I look at my colleagues sitting with me and then I look at our administration and it brings everything we've done for four years with these kids full circle. They made it when the chips were down and things were bad and they had a couple of F's and they may have had to retake the course or study hard to pass. It's all in the pay, all, all is payoff, you know, for the days when our kids are struggling. When you see them walk across that stage, it's just such a feeling of pride every year that it was a team effort and, you know, that we've got success. You know, graduation was very different last year because of the pandemic, but our administration worked very, very hard to put together a beautiful commencement here on school grounds. And I was in the gym help or in the cafeteria helping kids get lined up and it was almost time to march outside. And a, a student came running in, Mrs. Nash, Mrs. Nash, is it too late? Did I make it in time? Well, the student made it in time and he said, I'm sorry I was late, but I was working 
And you know, he was working in a place where he got the skill set he needed from um, the Career Technical Center. And he was greasy and hadn't had a chance to clean up and he was a little bit embarrassed. He said, I forgot my cap and gown, but my sister's bringing me hers. Well, there was a big size difference between sister and brother. And, but he made it work. You know, this kid, when he was in ninth grade, I would have said the chances of him finishing up and getting that diploma are not great. We never give up on kids. But sometimes we just have a feeling of this is really going to be a tough one to get through and it's going to take all of us working together. So, yeah, I love graduation. I think you've uh, helped me find a newfound love and respect for graduation. It's uh, great. Because that is powerful. That is a powerful yeah. message. Um, I love that. Um, so what is one thing that you've probably learned recently that is uh, that you've found that is helpful with teaching? Ooh, this year, there's a lot. <laughs> um, for me, um, right now, for a lot of us, it's just the technology and how to create a lesson and implement a lesson that's meaningful and gets the point across, but you're not bogged down in the application of these technology skills. That's the one thing that stands out to me right now. And teaching in a pandemic has reinforced with me the value of that communication with parents and with students and how far one phone call, one text, one Schoology message has on um, the success of a student. It takes five minutes to call, but the payoff is phenomenal. Yeah, it, it sure is. Um... You know, really, at, at the end of the day, our, our jobs are to um, connect with these students and help bring them uh, to to rise to the potential we see in them and to achieve those goals. And that's certainly what, what you do, in my opinion. You're, you're well, excellent. Well, you, uh, you're, you're excellent. So uh, I have a couple more questions here, and these are um, probably not as challenging as the other ones. Uh, one would be, are, are there any hidden talents that you have? <laughs> um, well, many people probably don't know that I can tear up a dance floor. I love to do those line dances, you know, the Cupid shuffle, the electric slide, the Macarena. I live for weddings with big receptions. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Me, on the other hand, I cannot dance. I'm awful. <laughs> My parents awful. pay good money for me to learn those skills. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Are there any, um, my last question here is about resources. What are some of your favorite learning resources? That could be books, podcasts, really anything that's helped you as an educator. We are so lucky in so many ways to be teaching in the modern world. We have access at our fingertips to learn anything we want to learn, find out more about any time of day or night. And that's wonderful. It beats going to the stacks at Marshall University. Um, I can tell you that. I am new to podcasts. Um, so I listen to Classroom Chatter and I always get something valuable from your guests on this show. 
Um, everyone is so knowledgeable and positive and helpful. It encourages you to want to do better. One particular field of interest for me right now is this concept that we're exploring and learning about of the chronic childhood trauma. And so anything I can read on that, uh, once we can go to workshops again, I'll be looking for workshops. Um, there's physical changes in the brains of these children and the constant trauma causes other physical manifestations in the kids. Um, how do we reach these kids? How do we help them learn? Uh, the dynamics of the of the brain have undergone a physical change and it takes so many attempts and interactions with these kids by the time they get to high school to try to reverse some of that damage that has been caused by uncaring adults in their life. That's really important. That might be something uh, that's probably something that I'm going to try to learn from you on that and or read some resources on that from you. Because I think that is that is important because, unfortunately, that's a reality that as educators uh, that we have that we that we will face, and it, and you know it, it's our job, in my opinion, uh, to help them uh, to be able to have as normal life and have as much success as they possibly can. So that's that's awesome. Well, Lori, I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been awesome. This has had a lot of great advice, a lot of great information. And I appreciate you coming on. Well, I appreciate you asking. You've really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And sometimes that's a good thing. Zach, we're lucky to have you at HHS. Thank you. And I appreciate to have, uh, you know, such a great education family here. And I appreciate having you as a friend and as a mentor because, man, you've, you've really, you really helped my 2020 get better. And you already have my 2021 off to a great start. So I appreciate it. Ditto, friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I'll see you next time, guys. Thanks, Lori. You're welcome.